¿Qué onda, primos y primas? And welcome back to my primos podcast. Back from the dead. It is I, your primo Freddy. I'm back. Feels good. I can speak without heaving. I have a little bit of a cough, but I'm back. I'm glad to be here. But welcome holding back. it down. Holding it down while I was back. While I was gone. Is the other voice there? The full-bodied, full-flavored, full-bearded Mr. Kevin Garcia.com. Say what's up, Kevin. Thank you for coming back. I was so alone without you. I know. I know. I heard you <laughs> and Oscar all excited and Walter too losing his mind. Oh yeah. And and definitely glad. Thank you, Kevin, for kind of running things over there while I was uh I was sick. I had COVID. Just holding down the fort while you recover. It's hit all. I, I was actually pretty fortunate for a long time. I, I didn't get it. I, my friends knew that I have really bad lungs, so they were real careful with me for most of the pandemic. Uh, and then right around my birthday this past year, I got it, and uh, I was like one of the first in my family to get it. it so it's like, mm, you know. No, well, I also want to introduce. We have a, somebody coming back. If you've been a longtime listener of the show, you may remember them from our infamous uh, Szechuan chicken wing taste episode. We have the return of Miss Aide, aka Down Ass Vata. <laughs> what up, what up? Down Ass Vata representing. There you go. Welcome back, Aide. Thanks for coming on the show. It's your first time in a long time. Yeah, it's been a minute. I'm glad you're doing better, though. Yeah. You know what I learned? As soon as you tell somebody you have COVID, they give you so that, that judgment. Oh, that judgment. Yeah. They, they back like, away a little bit. They're like, you they're had like, COVID. Oh, you must not wear a mask. Or you must have done this. Or where did you go? Or it's or the así me lo curé yo. You know what? I know exactly where I got COVID. Uh, I was going to Eeyore's birthday just because I thought it was just mm, yes, fun to of watch. Of course, you're gonna get COVID. I, I, I like people watching, but then I saw my friends there. They were volunteering. They so needed some help. Care. So I said, you know what? You guys need help. I'll volunteer with you. So I went there planning to go for three hours. I ended up staying for twelve hours. <gasps> And I was just surrounded by so many people right up next to me that that Monday, that Sunday afterwards, I was I was sick. So I got uh, for volunteering to help out my friends. <laughs> I got COVID for it. My nice. You know what? That's a good lesson here. Helping people is not good. No, I'm You're right. I, I, from now on, it's going to be my help awesome. oh, Always help people. Kevin, Definitely. can I ask you a question, though? I, I, I've never been to your birthday. I, I've mm -hmm. been very curious and it's, it looks really fun. But did you do acro yoga? Oh, I am not physically able to do any kind of yoga. I'm just not that healthy. But I can watch the people doing yoga and be very impressed. There was these uh, there were these people doing this this uh, topless acrobatics that I thought was really cool. For those that don't uh, know what this is, can you elaborate a little bit, Mr. So Garcia? Eeyore's birthday is named in honor of Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. The idea that nobody was celebrating his birthday. So some people, some Austinites years ago took, said, well, if no one's going to celebrate Eeyore's birthday, we're going to celebrate Eeyore's birthday. And let's be honest, it's, it's a big hippie party that, that Austin has once a year. Um, people dress in funny costumes, sometimes no costumes. Uh, people, uh, you know, they imbibe in various things. Uh, personally, <laughs> I, I, I just, I like the people watch and it's a fun place to meet weird people because weird people are my people. <laughs> hmm. Cool. Weird people, fun people, just like us, he familia. Primos, of course, you guys know this show is week to week for free. All it costs you is a like, share, spread the word, primos. Let everybody know we're out here. We're look us up on, of course, on social media at My Primos Podcast. Let us know your thoughts. Look up Mr. Kevin Garcia at kevingarcia.com. And, of course, monomythic.com. Check him out on all the social media platforms. And I there, she doesn't have a presence that yet. This is going to be oh, a jumping off point. Okay, she has a presence. 
Look, look up this, at down ass Vata A U S T. Okay, that will be yours. Tell me your life. Well, guys, tonight we are going to talk about something I've been kind of hinting at for a while. We were supposed to have a kind of a bigger, I don't know, entity of people here today, but three of us more intimate, more fun, and I'm excited because we have Aidev with us. So, first off, I want to talk about this fool. The new uh, Hulu series that came out about a month or so ago. Uh, have you guys seen it? I want to know your thoughts. Let's start with Aide. What do you think of this fool? First thoughts, and then we'll kind of dig in and kind of get a little deeper. Hell yeah, I've seen it, and I'm glad I did. So first of all, the guy, I don't even remember people's names. I'm really bad with names. I'm good with faces. I don't know the main character's name. Do you? So, uh, yeah, hold on. Luis, it's, uh, Luis, Luis. Okay, Luis is, is the, well, Luis, Luis is, is the, cousin? the. Oh, he's the cousin. cousin that came out of jail. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Who's the uh, Who's the other one? Uh, is it Julius? This one no. is Chris Estrada. I know his real name, uh, but what's he plays? Because he plays. What's his name? There we go. I don't go. know what Julio. his name is. Okay, Julio. Julio. Yeah. Julio. Julio. Julio and Luis. Dead ass exactly like my cousin the <laughs> slick hair the face everything when i saw it i was just like oh ramon <laughs> i thought it looked like edin he does uh, a lot of edinisms maybe, that's my primo maybe, maybe i don't know i didn't grow up with edin but i could tell you that was straight up ramon um i liked it because it was different from like all the other quote-unquote barrio movies because this was like a punk, you know, like he was into like the pump punk scene and like his girlfriend was like, you know, una rockera. And I really yeah. liked that. It wasn't <laughs> like the typical like Cholo. Chola and, yeah, yeah. Like <clears throat> I really liked it. He was like getting punked. So I feel like that was a little bit of me growing up. <laughs> like I wasn't cool enough to be a Chola uh, and I wasn't like, I don't know the super nerdy one, but I, you know, like I would wear like I don't know my chucks, and I would you know go around with my tin little boxes. So I really it's like your... picked up on a lot of like. So you were Maggie, you were Julio's girlfriend. Like that. <laughs> a little bit, sorry. Oh, okay. I, I was Maggie. definitely like Julio though. I was I was that one that the, my grandparents would be like, yeah, he can't do real work. He's not going to be. He's not going <laughs> to like like we 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 accept him. He's fine, but he's not going to get a real job. Ramon, uh, again. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was exactly what they were saying about me all the time. Everything they say about Julio, where they, oh, we love you, we love you, mijo. It's just too bad you're not a real man. You know, that's the kind of stuff that I'd get from my grandparents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I, for it's one, Julio. <laughs> I, for one, enjoyed it. It was great. I think it's a lot of fun to see, like, uh, interpretation of the way we grew up, or at least I grew up in South Central. I grew up in L.A. in South Central uh, in a similar neighborhood. You know, my mom's house is just like that. You know, in the area, the and house, right? The house, yeah. Like the scene is very on point. Yes, same thing. Same thing in South Texas with my grandparents' house. I, I will say about the, this show is, I, I for the past month, I have constantly had people asking me, "Hey, what do you think of this fool?" And I'm like, "Who?" And they're like, "What do you think of this fool?" I'm like, "Harry, which one?" Like, no, seriously. Like, like every time somebody would say that, even even if somebody had told me about the show, I'd forget about it the next time somebody would bring it up. And somebody'd be like, "Hey, hey, what do you think about this fool?" I'm like, "Why are you, Gary? Why are you calling him that? I don't understand. What's what's, what's going on?" And, and like, I finally watched it. <laughs> I don't think I've seen as much of it as you guys have. I've only seen an episode or two, 
Yeah, um, I, I flipped it as soon as I, I could. It's funny, it. man. I binged it. It's I, smart. I my little brother. I, my little brother also grew up in South Texas with me, and and uh, and we were watching it together. What I like about it is that it's it's it doesn't underestimate its audience, mm -hmm. right? That's because you if you consider the audience you're you're pitching for, I'm thinking they're making the show that they want to watch, right? The jokes that they want to land, like the situations they actually experience, right? Like you said, he's the guy's living in his mom's house, you know, with those posters all over the wall. That was my room, mm. you know, and that was the way it was. I was like, hey, I'm just at home. I'm just getting, I'm just getting by on this little job, and I come home. I have no real prospects to to venture out, you know. And we all have somebody that we know, maybe not family or close like it, that got into some trouble, maybe was a cholo here and there. Mm -hmm. And I love it, man. Especially that scene really hit home when he was trying to back out of the house with the car, and mm -hmm. the they're in the, in the yard playing yeah. with the race car. And he's like. Man, it's Mexicans versus blacks. And he's like, dude, you know I'm Salvadorian. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that happens a lot. You know, as Salvadoreño, we always have to do that. But overall, like, if I can dig in a little bit, like, the things that stood out, like you said, is that, like, the girlfriend Maggie, like, the, the roquera vibe that Latinos don't really get to, to show off, right? Like, mm -hmm. it, it's always been that old school uniform of, like, the Dodgers jersey, the big Charlie Brown shirt, mm -hmm. you know, the... Yeah, the hoop earrings yeah. for the for the ladies, Which, you know, the lip liner and no lipstick, <laughs> and you know stuff like that. But this wasn't like that. You got yeah. people that were more relatable to to who you grew up with, you know. And so I really dug that about it. It didn't disparage anybody. You know, I have a question on that. You know, they say that who you grew up with, but the show flashes back to what two thousand four, right? But yeah, two thousand four, two thousand eight. But I feel like they're really showing more of what I'm thinking of when I think of like early nineties um culture mm. am i wrong on that uh you know because i didn't pick like, up on that because because i feel like whenever they're showing like like luis you know saying things that people don't say anymore people were still saying that stuff in in, in the early 2000s but it felt like it was more of him referencing things that like well like like the actor the, the guy who wrote the show right like did he grow up in the early 2000s or is he older than, than he's playing his character he's a little older uh, he grew up that he grew up in that era I mean, the, the jokes are landing because that's kind of what he grew up with. He grew up in that like 20, 20, 2007, 2010, that type of era, you know, like 10, 20, 15, 20 years ago. Now he's looking back. So he's like in his, I would say in his 30s or so. I can, you want to be specific. Let me see yeah, this I, was guy. Up, I was looking up to see if I can find yeah. his age. Chris Estrada. And Kevin, you're saying because of the jokes that Luis. Not, not just the jokes, but, but, like, oh. but like a lot of the, the, the like, for example, I, I taught on the, on the border for several years and there's still a lot of gangs there. But but the uh, the gang, like, mannerisms and stuff that, that Luis uses, those are things that I, that I associate with early 90s, more so than early 2000s. Does that make sense? Maybe. Well, I, I, Maybe in Texas, because I feel like a stand. Do you do you agree with me that yeah, true. I'm, I'm in, in in LA at that time, I I feel like that's a pretty good depiction okay. of okay. what. Yeah. Okay, so it's just me then. I'm not. He's my age. He was 1984, so he's 37, 38. Once again, I'm the oldest one in the room. <laughs> but no, that's, that's a question, right? You were in South Texas, and yeah. we won't mention the other place you spent time in. But <laughs> was uh, there for two years? It doesn't count. Anyway, I mean, it's a very flat part of the country, right? And Kansas is not part cow. of my history. I, I block it out. Like Texas is still Kansas flat. is not. <laughs> yeah, but no, Kansas is flatter. They find a way. Uh, but, but, but you're right. But you're right. It's a different culture. South Texas, uh, Mexican American culture is different from. When I say Mexican American, I say Latino culture because, like you said, 
Yeah. Uh, people too often just complain and say, oh, you must be Mexican. And, and, right. and the big joke, of course, is always Mexican and OTM, you know? Uh, so I think that that's always a question, right? Like, we grew up in LA. I grew up in South Central. And, like, that's kind of what you saw. It was that it was almost the the uniform of the Latino, right? It was almost comically the the goatee, the sunglasses, and the shaved head, you know, and the white T-shirt. Like, that's how I grew up. That's what I mm -hmm. saw, you know? The era that I grew up in was the the Cholo era. The, I mean, I was there during the Rodney King riots. I was there during mm -hmm. you know, that stuff, you know? And even, I would say, the that shift change, I got to see it. I got to see that shift change where you start seeing more Latinos wearing... When RBD hit. <laughs> I was before that. But I'm talking like... No, but I'm aware of it. I, I like, a so, like a social social distortion t-shirt, <laughs> some jeans, and, some, and you know, and the gangsters kind of backed off because they're like, oh, shit, like, what is this? This new this new entity has mm -hmm. entered the hood, you know? Like, well, then, I then, saw me, that change. Pretty, let me ask, what movies did you watch growing up that, that you associated with? Well, movies. So think about this, right? And we've talked about this. And it's kind of like in the zeitgeist of what Latino films and entertainment has been. I grew up with all, and I would say the classics that I grew up with were things like American Me, Born in East LA, which I know you love. It's one of your mm -hmm. faves, right, Kevin? Yeah. Mi Vida Loca, uh, American Me, Blood In, Blood Out, Selena even, you know, to an extent. Oh, um, I mean, yeah, it's tons of these movies, which we can go on and on, but there's... <laughs> but think about this. I'm gonna name these movies really quick just so we can get them out there. And you, you hey, primos out there, if you have someone you want to throw at us at my primos podcast. But look, American Me, Blood and Blood Out, Mi Vida Loca, La Bamba, which of Selena, course. My Family, Mi Familia, Zoot Suit, Boulevard Nights, Born in East LA, Stand and Deliver, A Million to Juan, or I call it Don Juan, and then we have El Norte. So these are like the most well-known ones, which I do want to give an honorable mention to What's Up Rockers. Have you ever heard, watched this movie, uh, Kevin? I don't know that one. I did. Never watched What's Up Rockers? No, never heard so of it So What's either. Up Rockers came out, I want to say, right around the same time, like 2000 and I'm looking it up now, maybe, I want to say five, there it is, 2005. So What's Up Rockers is about these inner city Latino kids from South Central Right, mix of Mexican and Salvadoran kids that are skaters, and they're dealing with situations where there's skaters living in the hood, dealing with gangbangers from black gangs to Mexican gangs, and they're trying to just simply exist and go skate and have fun, but they get into trouble because they go to a rich neighborhood, and then they get accused of trying to rob people, or and they get into this whole shenanigans. So it's a good movie, kind of fits the bill. What about you guys? Do these oh. movies hit? A nerve or a I, I, core memory? Started, I, you mentioned a movie that you associated with this too. What was the movie you were talking about? It's called Pastorella, and it's it. It only I only brought it up because it was like the first movie that I saw people that looked like my family speak English. Because other than that, it was all novelas for me, and it, just Univision straight up. And we didn't really watch movies other than like Disney movies, and they were all in English. So. That was like my introduction to like, oh, there are people <laughs> that look like me that make The first movies. time I saw Blood In, Blood Out was funny. in Spanish. Really? It was in Spanish. Yeah. Like On dubbed? TV. The, the, the stubbed Spanish <laughs> TV version, the edited version on Univision was Blood In, Blood Out. Huh. Sangre por sangre. Like, I remember that. 
And then eventually finding out that it's in English, you know, but those locals forever have been Spanish. Uh -huh. you, you know, it's you know? funny, uh, Blood In, Blood Out, before I watched it, I had some people tell me that, oh, you probably like this one a lot. You probably like this one a lot. And it's because the main guy, uh, was it Miklo? Uh, yeah. He is super white. And that's always been my issue. Like I've always been super, super white among all my friends. Uh, so it's like, they're like, you should like this. And honestly, I, I did like it. But at the same time, I, I, I always felt like, it, God, this is going to sound horrible coming from me. I felt like the actor looked too white, <laughs> which is funny, which is funny coming from me, you know, but, 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 uh, well, but you're you're talking they should have casted someone more like you. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Well, it's like, thing, right? I they, they mentioned that you like that movie because it made you feel like your family was represented. That's why I felt about Born in East LA because Chich Marin, he's playing somebody who is raised in the US. He's a, he's a couple generations removed. He doesn't feel super connected to Mexico, but he's there on the border. And then he's got family that are right across the border and he ha can't really communicate with them because his Spanish is horrible. And then he has to deal with the fact that he is being accused of being Mexican when he doesn't even know what that means. And I'm like, that's me. I, I, as a kid, I was like, I, I appreciate this. Like, I thought the jokes were funny, but I also felt like that was me. That, so, yeah, that, that's, yeah. So, so that one more so than, than, than Blood In, Blood Out for me. That being said, I have, uh, I, I've known a lot of people that went through the, a lot of experiences like the ones in Blood In, Blood Out. Um, and, you know, my uh, mom had a chip on her shoulder about the military because of that movie. Because she says, "Oh, the only reason you need to go to the military is just to not go to jail." Like it's like, it's like <clears throat> she would tell me, "Why are you? Why do you want to go to the military? It, it's a punishment." Because she saw it in a movie that they gave. You know, uh, what's his name? Benjamin Bratt's character. Yeah, hey, you know, because you fucked up, you're gonna go to the military. And she always told me, she goes, "Like, why go to the military? It's a punishment." And because of this fucking movie. Let me ask you: Do you think? You said, because how long has your family, uh, if you don't mind me asking, been in, in the, the LA area? Like, because, because you know, you, on your list 40, is Zoot Suit. Yes, the reason I ask is on your list is Zoot Suit. And uh, the Zoot Suit riots is a major, major turning point in American history between the Latino community and the military. And the thing is, I, I, have, I have white friends that make jokes about Zoot Suit riots because they're only referenced mm -hmm. to the name of the band, you know? And, yeah, and, the and, uh, squirrel nut zippers. Uh, the yeah, exactly. So, so they, so they think they think it's funny. It's a funny term, and it does sound funny. But every time they make a joke about it, I'm like, people died. Yeah. Like that was a, that was a real thing. <laughs> like, like every time I hear somebody joke about zoot suits, I love visually. I love zoot suits. I think they're badass. I think mm -hmm. they should come back, right? But I also think that the meaning behind it has gone away. And so when you mentioned your mom having this problem with the military, it kind of made me think about again this movie on your list where it's about that history well the reason it's there is because i learned about zoot suit when i was in junior high <clears throat> and it was because at the time man i had discovered music like i'm talking like that just you follow you everybody gets that point where they just discover music like wow like this talks to me speaks to me and i fell into like i would say like oldies you know like oldies music swing and so i went all the way back i went all the way back and had a teacher who told me he's oh you know like and he's a latino guy took like, oh you know you like this and that and his pachucos and oh what's a pachuco and he kind of broke it down for me because i'm not mexican right that's mm -hmm. a mexican thing like i understood that early on but you also understood that pachuco encompassed a lot more than that mm -hmm. because the movie zoot suit which is like a stage play that was filmed <clears throat> edward james olmos plays the zoot suit the pachuco 
and he's the machista, um, old school, very like gangbanger, bachuco mentality. He embodies that. And what he does is he's pretty much uh, invading the minds of the youth and saying, hey, man, I'm down for raza and I'm down for it. Like, fuck everybody else. It's all about the bachuco movement where instead of it being about the people, they're more worried about the image. And that's what the movie's about. And that really hit home for me because I was like, well, I'm not Mexican, but I can understand the attitude and the vibe. I'm Latino, Salvadoreño. We have an image. We have a, a persona that we want to maintain. We don't want to assimilate, right? So Zoot Suit embody a lot more than just the Pachuco and the Mexican of it. It's more of like an ideal. I, I also associate with these movies for much the same way because... Again, I have the I, I, my my mom is my mom is blonde and green eyed and, and and I you know I've always looked super white, but I would associate with a lot of these films of like helping me connect to things that I was told my whole childhood. This is not you. You're not supposed to be involved in this. Not by my family, but by people outside. You know, people at school, people people at work, even when I was an adult, where it's just like you know that that's not my culture, even though even though I grew up with it. You know what I mean? So for me, it was these kind of movies made me feel, I guess, more at home in a way. Um, and, and, I, and I think, Freddie, you were saying that you feel like there's less of them lately. And uh, I, I don't know if they were ever super common, but I feel like there, there were slightly more of these on your list in the, in the 90s um, than, than later on. Um, what, what do you think we need? Do you think we need more like this fool? Do you think we need... Uh, cinematic universe of uh, barrio movies. Well, before we move on to that, I think, what about you? Like, what I these wanna, movies stand out, you know? I, like, or... yeah, I, I'm also curious. I want to go back to the whole generational thing. So, you mm -hmm. said that your family, Stanley, has been here in the US for 40 years. So, 40, 40 plus years. Because before, before I came around, I think my mom said they came like right around like maybe 80, 80 81, 78, mm -hmm. and there, like my tia. Okay. Uh, came like kind of first, so we're talking like right towards the end of the war, because right. AK fled during the Civil War in El Salvador, mm -hmm. so right around there. Mm -hmm. So, do you consider yourself first generation or second generation? I'm second generation. My mother is first generation. Okay, okay. so that's generation. so that that's interesting because growing up, I think that a lot of our generation, like our age group would consider ourselves and people in society would say, oh, you're first generation because you, uh, I guess they count the first generation that's born here. Born here, yeah. Right, but then they they don't respect the struggle of that generation that got us here. So for some time, I was just like, well, am I at like a 1.5? <laughs> you know what I <laughs> <laughs> but then don't you fall into that trap and i say that because like like you're mexicana right so you're looking mm -hmm. at are you of that line remember how i think it was cheech marin or culture clash or somebody said something along the lines of like oh that guy is not cheating like he's not chicano or he is chicano and this right. is you know like all that like now we're differentiating like was right. that the struggle was for not, you i was not in california during the chicano movement you know um so to did I identify myself as Chica? I think my identity as, as it is normal for anyone is always evolving and always changing. Like anything that is, the only thing that's constant is change, right? 
So my identity has been changing, I think, for some time, and mostly because I was part of Mecha, uh, Movimiento Estudiantil Chicano Chicana das Land. So I think during that time, I really, uh, it was my first introduction to Chicanoism. So I really was able to identify as a Chicana. But then I feel like as I've developed and kind of... um, my kid, you can hear it. As I've been able to like just kind of evolved in my own self, I'm like, well, am I Latina? Do I? So it's always changing. But anyways, going back, I think for a long time I was one, 1.5. And I think now I can really give um, that respect where it's needed. And yeah, I think I would consider myself second generation, first generation born, second generation Mm. in the US, right? Because my mom uh, migrated when she was 17, 15, maybe 15. Actually, she said she um, cumplió sus sus 15 años in the bus uh, crossing from Tijuana to California. so yeah, and then Kevin, do you mind if we ask you the same question? Yeah, actually, I was thinking about this. So, so I'm I'm th- I consider myself third generation. My grandparents were the first ones born here in the U.S. That my great grandfather came over around 1915. That's uh, a whole story I get into in a little bit if you want me to. But, but one of the things that you said was that uh, the, the, a lot of the first generation kids sometimes don't show maybe I don't know if respect's the right word, but they don't realize the struggle that went through for the previous generation. And uh, what I was saying earlier is that I taught on the border for many years. And, uh, you know, my, the high school I taught at, less than a quarter mile from the bridge. I have a lot of students that, that lived with family across the bridge. They cross every morning, get on a city bus, come to the school. I mean, they were U.S. citizens, whatever, but, it, but they, they lived there with the family. But here's what I noticed. What I noticed both when I was in high school as a student and then as a teacher is that I saw a lot of kids who were, from your definition, first generation, people who were coming from another country trying really hard, pushing really hard. They had to try hard because they had no other choice. Mm -hmm. But then I saw a lot of kids who were first generation in the traditional sense in that their parents came across. And flat out, I had students tell me, you know, my dad tries so hard, he doesn't make any money. Why should I even bother? And it's like, you don't know how hard he had to work to get to where you're at now. You don't Mm -hmm. know what they had to do. Mm -hmm. Your job as the next generation, whatever generation you are, your job as the next generation is to push farther beyond where your parents went. You know, not because you're better than them, but because that's what they wanted for you. They built all this stuff so that you could keep building. And I had that conversation with more than one student where it was like flat out, like, oh, you know, my dad just, you know, he's a janitor, doesn't doesn't have this or that. I'm like, but your dad went through all this trouble from wherever a country he originally came from to come here with you. And now you're acting like it's not a big deal. And it's Mm -hmm. like, that is the biggest deal in the world. They they did all of that for you. If you think about it, a lot of these movies we were gonna, we mentioned on that list, right? And it comes to mind, like you look at American Me and Zoot Suit, talk about the Zoot Suit Riot. If you remember American that, Me. I mean, it talks about that. They're crossing yeah, exactly. the river. Doesn't like someone almost die? Yeah, right? Jennifer Lopez crosses mm-hmm. the river and almost dies with a baby, which is, uh, <clears throat> but. Her best role. <laughs> her best role. Not Selena, okay? Not oh, no, Jig- no, 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 Jiggly. Selena. Yeah, you can't, you can't. <laughs> no, 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 sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> what I'm getting to is that we me off that people always put like her picture when they are trying to reference Selena. I was just like, yes, yes. But her actually, <laughs> Selena. I, actually, I had a conversation with somebody the other day when we were talking about about Selena, and somebody goes, "Which one?" And I go, "What do you mean, which oh. one?" <laughs> like, oh. I, like I know there's other celebrities that have that oh. name, but but if you use only one name, it only means one person. 
It's like Prince, man. It's Selena. That's it. What I'm getting to is that we these movies, if you think about it, touch on that because it is something that is overlooked. The first or second generation, however you identify it, it tends to be oblivious or chooses to be oblivious to those struggles, right? Because we're trying to, and let's be real, there was a line at one point where everybody wanted to belong, right? They wanted to be part of. That's why yes, assimilate. assimilate, right? To the white, now to the white. it's a whole different situation. I, I we're fighting and to I not love assimilate, it. you know. Well, it, it's funny uh, speaking for myself. You know, like I said, growing up, I was often told I was too white, and then for those two years I lived in Kansas, I was the Mexican kid, believe it or not. <laughs> um, but but you're the pride and joy of Mexico. No, it was more, it was more like because literally, okay, the town I lived in has a street down the middle called Division Street. Literally, there's white people living on one side, black people living on the other side. I was neither of those two, as far as they were concerned. You so walked I, amongst the tribes. So I was the, well, I was the, the Mexican. Kid. But anyway, but but since I moved to Austin, I have strangely felt more of a connection to my heritage because I've been uh, connecting more to Latino creators here in in Austin mm -hmm. and other parts of the state. I, I'm not not disconnecting from the ones in the border. I'm still meeting, talking to them all the time. But it's just um, I've, I've strangely had more chances to connect to that heritage, which is weird because. Nobody's questioning. But these my... movies, right? Like the reason why, and I just I'll answer your question, Kevin. I haven't forgotten about it. Why there has to be more, or why, like, I think that th at this stage where these movies came out, these are mostly I would say '80s and '90s movies, right? Definitely. Like, they gave you a snapshot of time of of a culture that was being, for lack of a better word, like it was absorbed. mysterious. It was absorbed. Yeah, thank, thank you. It was a it was a product. It was being like, oh, what's the cholo culture? What is this, this packaged? Yeah, this package being mm -hmm. sold, right? Because all of these movies have a, a line that we all understand. It's a mm -hmm. barrio, quote unquote, cholo movie. It involves mm -hmm. the gangs, the shootings, the drugs. To someone an has to die. Someone has to overdose. Someone has to go to jail, hey. and then there has to be a come to Jesus moment at the end. I want to real quick <laughs> touch on something because I have to. Comic books. All right, okay, let's do it. Because everything in my life goes back to comic books. I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a horrible geek. All right, so X Men for years, and I think I mentioned this when I was talking with Oscar the other day. X Men for years, if you were anything other than straight white American, they had to explain where you came from. So uh, Storm couldn't just be black. No, she had to be raised in Africa. Black. Wasn't she know? like from Kenya? But she was born. She was born in the U.S., but she was raised in Kenya. So that's oh, so I didn't is, know she was born in the U.S. Yeah, it, 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 she has had a complicated history, but the point is, everybody who was Did not she have her white. Son there? Uh, no, that's she has a, a, a adopted family. Has, oh, adopted family. Okay, because I saw I recently saw an episode where she goes back. Yeah. Yeah, and her son is like well, really fast. She, she refers to him like a nephew, I think, in the show. But she's mm -hmm. but yeah, but he's like adopted family. Yeah. Okay. But but anyway, what I'm getting at is this: is that there were like there was a Brazilian X-Men, but again, he was from Brazil. There was a Mexican X-Men, but he was from Mexico. And the first time that they had a Mexican-American born in the U.S. Uh, uh, X-Men was Skin of Generation X. And he was from the barrio. He was a gang member. He actually faked his death from a gang shooting to join the wow. X-Men. You know, and, it, and it's like, yes, he's a lot of stereotypes. But on the one hand, hey, there's finally a little bit more representation. Instead of just everybody who's not white has to be from another country. And then also, I knew people like that. Like, even if I wasn't in a gang, I knew people that were in those situations. Right. And he, his whole thing was trying to get out of that situation. Uh, it, it, and, and so it, it's also early 90s when that came out. It's also this idea of, like, 
hey, they're, they're showing a little bit of that, but it's just like you're saying, it's the gang life, it's the drug dealing life, it's the, it's the, vi- the gun violence. Yeah. It, it, it's almost like that's all we were, but I mean, at least we were in the media. <laughs> I don't know. And I think that's why I, I, I guess maybe I can say we all agree that this fool was so good because it gave us a little past that. It gave it's us closure. that. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Yeah. It, full circle. it addresses <laughs> that, that way we were shown, but then says, no, we're more than that. Because <laughs> I, I think the fact that, um, <clears throat> like, Julio works at a, what is, what is a nonprofit, you know, trying to help Cholos kind of. Hugs, you know, not thugs. At a non-profit. Hugs, not thugs. Hugs, not thugs. <laughs> so horrible name. I love it. But it's hilarious because you would, you wouldn't think, but those exist. Oh, yeah, there they are do. people like that. And you, you look at those Absolutely. and go, oh, shit. Like, like, I can call out a lot of friends that I have that are in the nonprofit world yeah. in LA in that similar, if not same type of program. I, I know people in Austin that do that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it's enjoyable because it's not the typical package, but let's be real. Let's be business for a second, right? Hulu goes, what are you trying to do? I'm doing a cholo. Okay, I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Cholo what? Right? And that's the first line you throw out there because that's going to get them interested. And then you go, I'm going to go a different way with it. Smart, right? I'm not going to go the typical route, but I still have a little bit of that cholo, sexiness cholo, that word cholo or barrio um, idea stuck in people's head from the 80s and 90s. When you hear that or term or see those images, you're like, okay, I'm in for that. Stay for the jokes. You stay for the the reality of it, the realism, right? The connections, the tia going to work, stealing the toilet paper from work and bringing oh it God, home. Oh my God, can we talk about that for <laughs> yes. just a quick minute? That yeah. I almost peed my pants with that. It's so funny because I don't know about you all, but I definitely have that tia, maybe even the mom. <laughs> I, I definitely had that a relative. Bring, yeah, it's just like, oh, this is like the, I don't know, three ply, whatever, and it's going to last us forever. And it might have not been like something that they took from work, but just that frugalness, right? It's like that bottom line. It's survivalism. If you check, right. my, if you check my drawer right now, I have almost no matching silverware because all of them were gifts from a relative who said that he's like, oh, they didn't need these at work. So he'd bring <laughs> So none of my forks matched. None of my. My mom has the same situation. My mom, for a really long time, worked at like industrial, um, I guess, cleaning, and they would wash like the tablecloths of really fancy restaurants, and of course, people leave their forks and whatever, and like waiters just throw things into this basket. So a silverware would always be washed. So she would bring it home, like really nice silverware, but none of them are matching. I looked at it as my mom worked in a factory and she brought home industrial glue where it came in like a, like you had to wear a mask to open it. And that was like, look, I was like five years old. Like, ah, mama, tienes glue. ¿Qué es eso? Well, pega, pegamento. Oh, hold on. I had to put gloves on. And I'm just trying to stick a cut out on the freaking fridge and she's I like just need it for my macaroni i just need it for my macaroni yard. and it melts the paper and the macaroni cooks in my fingers oh, no. <laughs> but yeah. yeah like industrial work that we all our family members would go through like i love that the tia showed that side of it right like because they're always looking at 
I don't need and to the buy grandma, that. The grandma hiding like the premium toilet paper. My abuelita, man, the cigarettes yeah. and all that. Like, it's just funny, goofy fun. Because I give you, I have a question for both for both of you as well, right? You look at this fool, and I know Kevin hasn't finished it yet, which you, I recommend you finish it. It's oh. great. It has its ups and its downs. Don't get me wrong. Some jokes don't hit. You, you want to move along and yeah. see what happens, right? Mm -hmm. But thankfully, it's good enough that we're going to give more. Mm -hmm. But there's been plenty of Latino-led TV shows that have not made, <laughs> withstood the test of time. They'll knock out after a season or two, right? And so what ends up happening is, and I heard another podcast talk about this, where he goes, the problem is that at a certain point, they're no longer any good because they burned out the joke, the gimmick, the hook, whatever that is in that first season. But Latino shows don't have a second, third, fourth, and fifth season. Mm -hmm. George Lopez may be the exception, a couple other things. But what do you guys think about that? You know what? I, I worry about that with this show because <laughs> no, because it it is, podcast we're, we're season five. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm worried about season six. Yeah, no, no, I'm worried about this fool because it, it is so built around the idea. These are the first couple episodes that I've watched. So built around the idea. Of of the the uh, Luis that that is that is not able to to adapt immediately, and, and then Julio who is trying to fix him and help him, and I feel like that leads to one of two situations. One, he never gets fixed, and you have this like like early '80s sitcom where there is no change, or he grows and changes, and then what's the point of your show? I feel like it's too tied to that topic. I think the setting is beautiful. I think the characters are beautiful. But I, I, honestly, from the opening of the first episode, and I saw that they were going to bring in bring in uh, Luis, I was like, mm -hmm. I, I, the first thing, the first thought I had was, once they deal with this storyline, are they going to be able to go elsewhere? That was literally the first thought I had, and and, and I don't think that's inherent to just being uh, Latina shows. I think that has to do with being this specific plot. Still a good show, but like that plot needs some help. Like mm -hmm. look at. Um, uh, fresh off the boat, which I, okay. I think I, I I I feel weird saying the name of that show out loud because I don't feel like yeah. that's for my community to say, but it's the name of the show, uh, and, and it's not about literally somebody just coming across from from uh, trying to think if they're from Vietnam. They're but, but, Chinese. They're Chinese, Chinese, literally from China. Yeah. I, I can't, uh, so it's not about just coming across, but it's more about this idea of um, what it's like being that whole generation that has mm -hmm. come across. And, and I'm like, I, I feel like that I, that show's not around anymore, but that show lasted a, a bit because it was it, it it wasn't tied to a specific plot. It was tied to an a setting. And I think that's what made it, you know, have what I want this fool to to embrace beyond that initial story is the hipster Latino. Right. Right. Because that's where I was going with. That's what I want. I want them to keep following this evolution of a character. And like maybe he does, you know, maybe he goes to college. Maybe he goes to community college. He maybe he follows, you know, any of our storylines of like, I don't know, this imposter syndrome and like how to work with people that are not part of your culture, like this fear. I don't know. I'm just talking about my experience. Sure. Like, that's why I think that with people that I have never interacted with. And that's the stories I want to see. And this is kind of like an, mm -hmm. a, a sprinkle of that. Right. Because I've been so used to, and I'll use the example, like the atypical sitcoms, right. I'll use George Lopez as an example. I watch it like crazy. So we look at that typical, Hey, he works at a factory, has a hot wife, 
has kids. They have kooky adventures. The mom's crazy. A funny friend. Hey, I'm Latino in a weird situation. You know, here's what I do. <clears throat> Same thing. Like, if you look at all the old sitcoms, even from, like, the 70s and the 60s, look at Freddie Prince, you know, Chico and the Man. Same age. Not, not my job. I don't do this. Not me. Not, not me. Like, it's a very formulaic thing. I think Latino television has been kind of stunted because the generations that are watching Univision, Telemundo, all those Spanish stations are still of that old school guard expecting a certain formula, right? I always make the joke with friends and whatnot, and I'll say it here. I'm like, I can't wait till that generation dies off and people like me are the audience they're shooting for on Univision. I'm, I don't need to, to see. <laughs> I'm trying to kill like my mom and her homies. I'm sorry. My mom, drama sorry. And her novelas, okay? But here's the thing. Can't we have something a little more highbrow? Why does it have to be six hours of La Rosa de Guadalupe? You what, know, like wait, what counts wait, as highbrow? Wait, yeah, a minute. Okay, well, go so on, tell me. I so I just came back from being in California for two weeks, and I did a lot of watching La Flor de Guadalupe and like all these novelas. Hasta acabé una novela, I saw the finale, and I started a new one. Cuna de no. Los Ricos También Lloran, which is like the remake of Mariela del Barrio. Um, but they're, they are changing. They're, they are updating a little bit. It's still the same, you know, plot and whatever. But they are updating. They're getting... But they have speed. iPhones. They okay. have iPhones now. <laughs> <laughs> they're in corporate America well, or hey, whatever. To, to, you know, to give Kevin credit iPhones. where he... To, to kind of... To, to peg, knock me down a peg, right? <laughs> What I'm saying is, don't I don't need um, adults dressed as kids running around a classroom telling jokes and hitting each other over the head. Like hey, we're past hey, that. Hey, hey, hey! Still, it's a classic. <laughs> oh, come on, man! I'm done with Perez doing that. Well, like, kind of uh, uncomfortable to watch sometimes. So. It, yeah, they don't age well. But but on that yeah. note, you you just mentioned uh, are they about like the remakes of novellas. They've been remaking some of them into American shows, and obviously the biggest one was Ugly Betty. Uh, and when they and when they read it, Ugly Betty, they didn't just retell the story of or was it La, La Fea Mas Bella? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. They didn't just retell the story. They 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 changed it, evolved. It became its own story. And, and I think even if it you're going to expand the universe, they did. But yeah, even if you're going to do that, you can still have the stories grow and have the characters grow. So you can have that highbrow and still maintain that that cultural center, you know? Don't get me wrong. I enjoy goofy shit, and I'll laugh at dumb jokes here and there, right? Like, Everybody back to this fool. Like, yeah, I mean, I love goofiness, and, you know, Luis is a funny dude, right? He, he, he tells jokes. Who doesn't watch Instagram and watch that fool in the Cholo workout? That's him. That's Creeper. You know, like, that's him. So, like, you laugh at that stuff, right? And you go, that's funny because we know somebody, and we know they're fucking hyperboles of real people they're, they're, they're the you know they're cartoon characters yeah. right yeah so we get that we and laugh that's at the that dangerous part because at some point it's funny for i don't know i this is my opinion it's funny for me to laugh at me and myself <laughs> and my people maybe at a certain degree but i'm very like um protective yes i'm very protective of like other people laughing at me and my people. So going back to what I was telling you at the beginning before um, you all started the show, I, I mentioned the show to a couple of coworkers and they're white. And I did like, it clicked on me and I was just like, oh damn, like, it's like, shit, I already said it out loud, you know? And I was just like, um, 
but you know, maybe you won't like it. Don't you know? You were trying to talk it down at that point. Yeah, it was not even that good. I was. I was just like. Here's the thing, you know, the, the, have you heard of the show Reservation Dogs about yeah. the Native yeah. American kids? Yeah. Okay. Actually, actually know one of the actors in the show. Awesome. So a great show. I really enjoy it. I got to see images and situations of kids living in tri on, um, you know, reservations. On reservations, pardon. And I, I don't know that culture. I don't. Yeah. I didn't grow up that way. Don't anything about it. I know everything secondhand fed to me. And I, I would hope that this is a very close uh depiction of it right i would think mm -hmm. so at this day mm -hmm. and age right and i enjoy it and then i thought to myself would a show like this work for latinos right and so, the thing is uh, go ahead kevin i'm sorry no, you finished that first the thing is first. okay so thing is going back to what you were saying we can tell white america oh go check out reservation dogs it's great it's dope and you're like Oh, you may not like this fool. Like you're almost apolog apologizing. Before oh, I wasn't they get apologizing enjoy, you know? at all. I was just like, I don't worried, right? You, I don't think you can appreciate it because uh, you don't have that experience. That background, I was like, yeah. I don't think you're gonna laugh as hard as me. I don't think you're going to, you know, like I don't think you're gonna get it. Basically, that you. was my okay. like. It's just like a waste of my. And I can connect with reservation dogs because it is another group of people that have been not displayed well you know in media right, right. and i can kind of have right. connect some dots not everything but some dots oh you know what i've been there i feel you right so well it uh, turns out one of them watched it and she was just like oh my god i did ah thank you so much <laughs> this has been we binged it me and my partner binged it it's so good it's so funny and you know like it was just you know it was cool because i was like hey take you know it's gonna make fun of you know our culture or whatever but this is a little bit like it's refreshing because, you know, it, it does reflect a little bit away from like the, I guess, the the butt of the joke. Right. And it's a, it's different. So so I was like, Ch check it out if you have time. And she loved it. So it was it was nice. It was nice that it, it had a good positive reaction and not like, a oh, my God, this it was so funny because this clown or whatever. Yeah, right. Okay. I think, let me ask you a question though. Um, you said right now that that like it kind of makes fun of our culture and this and this. Is there ever a worry that people are going to watch it and come away with the wrong message? Like, let me give you a quick example. Mm -hmm. The Taco Bell Chihuahua. I, I don't know anybody who grew up in the Valley that in Valley, South Texas, but not the Valley I'm talking about, that didn't like the Taco Bell Chihuahua. Like, even if they hated Taco Bell, the Chihuahua was cool because they agreed with him. You know, they want tacos. <laughs> you know, um, but then I love uh, the Valley, by the way. I love going down to the Valley. But and I love visiting California, by the way. But when I Southern California, especially. But when I was in high school and we went on a on a like a competition or whatever, we were up in like the Panhandle. Uh, a, a a Latino girl comes on stage to talk in the microphone, and immediately the, these white kids in front of us go, "Viva gordita!" You know, they, they thought it was that's an accent. They they yeah. said it. You know, they they thought it was funny just taking this cultural thing and turning it into even I, even right. though I don't want to I don't want to claim Taco Bell for culture, but but what I mean is. <laughs> Well, it's funny because I was with this group of guys that are all these very, very big Mexican teenagers with me when I was in high school. And they go, <clears throat> and the white guys turned around and they saw us and they just kind of sunk into their seat. They didn't say anything the rest of the day. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad these tall guys are next to me because, you know. Right. Um, but that being said, you know, I also want to try to spread the culture. Um, mm -hmm. Mex American is a, is, a, is a Latino comic con here in Austin. And the next one's going to be in November. I was just talking to the, to the person putting it on earlier today, actually. And a couple of years ago, before the pandemic, 
I was telling some of my, my Anglo friends about it. I was like, hey, come to Mexamericon, check it out. It's free. Uh, get a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of artists that are going to be there and creators. And literally, they said to me, in, in, in with the most well-meaning statement of all, of, I don't think we should go because we don't want to encroach on your on your area. We don't want to encroach on on on, on what is your territory. Uh, they, they didn't want to put white faces into this into this mm-hmm. manic location. And I was like, I, I was like, we want your money though. <laughs> I can, yeah. like, like, come buy stuff. We want your money. Just come buy stuff and get out. No, but <laughs> I they, do you think that it's because? <laughs> but if they stay, they could learn something. Because I know, I know, I know. I, know. I know you're joking, but, but what I'm saying is, I was trying to tell them, come, come to this. You'll see yeah. things. You know, yeah. isn't that what we'll supposedly not put in air quotes here? We want. Right, that we want our culture to be out there, uh, being yeah. able to be in the same light but, as. But I don't want it to be sold back to me at, you know, ten times higher. Okay, like, but I don't want to buy a mango from HEB pelado con you know tahin and that little lemon like for five dollars. That's not what I want. That's but at the same time. Me. At the same time, I look at how much, like, how many people in the world now know who Thor is. They know who Hercules is. How much would you want them to know about like things from Latin America, and have those things be recognizable all right, around the but world? You're talking about historical content. I am. I am. I'm talking, I, yeah, I'm, I'm making it bigger than just right. the, 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 the. Well, let's uh, say pop culture, right? Like, what do we have right now in Latino culture? Bad Bunny, baby. <laughs> okay, Bad Bunny. Oh, that's, that's what my students told me this. this <laughs> uh, she, the student told me that's they wanted the to work one on. Export. <laughs> told me they wanted to work on on uh latino or latin american creators I'm like okay ooh, and, and she's like bad bunny I'm like okay 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 bad bunny right but but isn't it like you said it's always the entertainment right like um i like the idea of having these latino faces brown faces what have you on television on movie screen also, we're talking we about get, wait we need to get away from brown faces because not everyone is brown look at me i'm not I'm, I'm not all of us here are pale well, I'm which means, which means, honestly, that, that means we'd probably be, we'd probably we well cast on novellas, to be honest. We, <laughs> we get red True, in the we sun. Burn. We burn, yeah. we burn, we burn. I'll rephrase. Latino faces on screen, right? That's well, what I consume the most, right? I consume there. I want to see those faces. I want to see those stories told. But I don't want the atypical story. Like, when we go back and look at Zoot Suit, right, or Boulevard Nights, like, right. that time has gone, right? So, I don't know. I want to I wanna tell you something that just happened to me a few weeks ago, right? Okay. I was I was in Colleen, right? And I'm there for a comic book convention. It was a lot of fun. And then, as because I keep seem to go to a lot of those, and I I was told that there was a Star Wars themed restaurant, and I was pretty excited about it. It's called oh. Galaxy Bar and Grill, Galaxy B and G, and and I was like, cool, it's Star Wars themed. And then I we started as soon as a lot of us were excited to go, we started inviting more people. And then I had a, another person, a friend of mine, actually come up to me and say, oh, I can't go there because I heard it's a it's in a dangerous neighborhood. And whenever I hear that term, it, it, it raises all these red flags for me. I'm like, what does that mean? And they go, well, I heard from somebody who knows a cop who lives in this area. And he said, that's a dangerous part of town. I'm like, this is Colleen. I'm like, I'm not yeah. saying there, I'm not saying there are no crimes <laughs> in Colleen, but it's Colleen. Yeah. All right. So I was curious what that meant. Well, me and my friends, we did end up going to Galaxy B&G. And I got to tell you right now, it was some of the best food I have ever had at a burger joint. One of the people with us ordered a burger that had for buns, Two full grilled cheese sandwiches. That was the, that was the buns on the burger. Ooh. They also have an unlimited cereal bowl where you can just get. They have like a whole wall of sugary cereals, and you can just refill it. It is fully geeked out. But here's what I love about it. What I love about it is if you look at the menu, 
you're going to notice that all of the items there are almost all Star Wars or sci-fi themed. Like you can buy fried pickle ricks, for example, right? But mm-hmm, the ones that aren't sci-fi themed are themed from barrio movies because the people who founded the place are also fans of barrio movies. And in fact, on the wall, they had Star Wars and they had like Jabba the Hutt. And then they had a picture, literally a blown up picture from American Me. Uh, and, and I was like, that's beautiful. And I looked around the, the people in the room. There was like these two little white ladies having burgers. There was a black family there. There were these guys that kind of looked like cholos, but everybody was just enjoying that. their burgers. Yeah. I was like, so in other words, dangerous neighborhood means that there's um, one of the- yeah, diversity. And I was like, like literally on the menu, it says tacos locos forever. And I love that. Ah. You know? <laughs> and, and, and honestly, the food was great. I'm definitely, I want to go back to clean just for this restaurant. But the fact that I was told it was a dangerous neighborhood because there's like pachuco culture there mixed in with, with the sci-fi stuff, that's not enough to me. I'm like, I know, I mean, I've, I've, I, I've I've lived in places that are that are full of of gangs, right? I've lived I've I've lived for years in, in places like that, and it happens. But that doesn't mean I don't enjoy my tacos, you know. <laughs> I know. I think that to answer your question earlier too, has does there need to be more of these movies, right? Like these movies are are a lot of people would say they're classics, right? Like they'll watch them if they're on, you'll sit down and enjoy them because nostalgia kicks in for a certain time. You you know it is what it is with these movies. Like even if you watch something like. You know, we'll, we'll pick Selena, right? Selena is just one of those movies you can just watch, have a great time, enjoy it. It's a great story. It's fun. Bamba. Cry. La Bamba. You know, who doesn't fucking tear up when you see Rick? Yeah. Richie. Man, that scene where he's under the truck fixing it and he say it over the radio. And he goes like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Yeah. And then he runs to his mom's house. Like, no, uh, as no. you're saying it, all, all the memories are coming back as you're saying it. Oh my Dude, god! Sleepwalk plays, and the cars are going to the funeral, and then he goes to the bridge. Look, it's like, like, like I'm getting chills. Like that that movie does that. Those scenes do that. What does it take to have that today? I don't know. There needs to be the like a long time ago in school we had the conversation that like what is the great what is the next great American novel? What is the great next American film, right? And I've always made the conversation. Go ahead. Are you have a I thought? was just gonna say, um, maybe we're not giving enough credit, and maybe because it's it's not as uh, mainstream. But I want to argue that there are these type of films out there. It's just that maybe they're not um, like the marketing is not you know as high or whatever. But for example. A 2012 drama. Um, it's called Mosquita y Mari. Love that film. Have you all heard of it? No, I've not. No. Uh, you need to watch it. It's really good. It's it's a barrio movie. To me, it's it's a barrio movie, but it's about two women, two queer women. It's they're maybe like 16, 15, and they're just coming of age and you know, they're dealing with like issues that really uh, resonate to me, just like the, you know, the strict mom, the responsibilities of like the older child, um, things like that. Um, and in, in all of this being queer and actually, uh, Freddie, it takes place in, um, there's a scene at, at Pacific. So I don't oh, know, maybe cool. even Yoshinoya comes out. <laughs> maybe it's there. Well, I there on Pacific in Florence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just I, I drove by it when I was uh, in California. Just no, but you're right though. That's why these movies stick out because they're the ones mm-hmm. that we re- people remember the most. 
Right. They were big. There were theatrical theatrical releases. All of these, right? There were the package that was sold at the time that allowed for them to be marketed and people mm-hmm. enjoyed them. But there was only one every four or five years. You know, one every three four years that Latinos went out in droves to watch and kept. And you know, as there was a conversation like, "How come I can't stream?" You know, La Bamba. Now I can, but years ago I couldn't. Right? I couldn't find it. Well, let me but, tell you, I just looked it up and Mosquita y Mari um, is available on Hulu. Cool. I'm going to check it out. But what I'm saying is that, yes, I think that the, the there needs to be another film, films like this. There needs to be a lot more of it. And like I was saying, maybe we just don't know about them, right? And that's no, where the indie movement comes up, right? Like people are making indie mm-hmm. films. Mm-hmm. And Agreed. even when we talk about indie comic books, like this is where the indie creator is is creating this stuff. But we just need to get it in front of people. And that's the thing what happens, that mass market appeal or even the right voice lifting it up. And like, you know, Kevin, yeah, I see the chat there, you know, talking about people saying like, when will we have our Black Panther? Yeah, I keep hearing people say that. Like, when will we have our Black Panther? Like, when the movie came out, a lot of uh, people online, Latinos, Latinos chatting, would say like, well, okay, they got their Black Panther. When we get our Black Panther? And it's like... Isn't it in the works, though? Well, so that's the thing is they have a character Marvel's trying to to spin to be more Latin American, which I'm, I'm I personally am fine with that because it'd be nice so to have about, it. Is Blue Beetle gonna be that character? Blue Beetle could be because that's another one where they took a white character, they they put a, a new young kid taking the role, and he became this Latino hero. Now, whether or not Warner Brothers goes through with it with current leadership, who knows? I but, heard but, it, no Susan Sarandon said that the movie is going to be in Spanish with English subtitles. Do you there, believe it? I, I don't believe that for a second. But 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 honestly, here's the thing though. As as you're asking me, asking us rather about you know these modern movies, I was trying to think to myself, what are some modern movies that I've really liked that were about Latin American culture, and they were not about Latin. They weren't barrio movies. They weren't about the U.S. Like for example, Coco. I love Coco. In fact, I swear. The great grandmother in Coco is my great grandmother. I think they just stole my family and put her. I on love the Book movie. of Life, man. The animated Life. movie. Here's one. I don't know if you guys have seen. It's it's from Cuba, uh, but it's uh, Juan of the Dead. Have you seen that one? No. You need to seek it out. It's so good. But but it, it, here's the thing: is that's a, that's a, the first and as far as I know only horror movie ever allowed to film in Cuba. Uh, but uh, even though it's it's about a country I've never been to. I could associate but, a lot with, with the people that are in that neighborhood because. It but felt- you know what I what I just kind of came to like, at this moment of clarity, is it that we're wanting English speaking Latinos because there's plenty of of Latino Latinos making films outside of the United States that are not English speaking films. Here's the thing, I think that comes back to what we were saying earlier about trying to influence other people to see our culture, because there are so many great movies that are in the foreign language category, right? But like. If you want to get more, especially Americans, to uh, to pay attention and to listen, and when I say Americans, I mean English-speaking, mostly white Americans, uh, then it needs to be something that is at least somewhat palatable, somewhat able to be understood. Uh, so it doesn't have to be English-speaking, but it helps. It doesn't have to be said in the U.S., but it helps. And at the same time, when I was saying earlier that I really liked Bernice L.A. because I associated with the experiences that Cheech Marin's character was going through, that also is part of it because I'm glad that we're now getting movies that are set like like Encanto, you know, that are set yeah. in other countries. But at the same time, I would. And why are all like the, the movies we're liking animated? Eh. 
and also you want to consume yourself, right? You want to consume things that represent yourself. No, I agree with the statement. I, but, not, but I, agree I think the way it was, yeah, I, I hear you. You want to consume yourself. But no, I agree. People want to be represented. It's like, have you guys seen all the videos of the little girls seeing the, the new Little Mermaid trailer? And they're so excited because they're like, mama, she's black. Mama, she's black. And they're so excited. But then you saw the other side. You saw the ugly side oh, of it. That's the funny part. I have not seen any of the other side on my TikTok. So clearly my the algorithm other side is, and maybe it, we'll talk about it. I don't know, but they're like that. They whitened her up. That yeah. she was, she, she's darker complexion, but why did they whiten her up? They were saying it's, it's water. The light hits the oh, water. They're in a all kinds of things. People saying that people saying, how dare they change it? It's supposed to be historically oh, accurate. And all this stuff. Like, no, it's did you hear that. to that? Namor's too fat or something. Not just historically accurate. It, the, the original movie wasn't accurate to the original story. The original story was written by a gay man writing about a forbidden relationship and how you will die and suffer. If you try to go after that forbidden relationship. And if you I watch, read that. yeah, that's in the original movie book. And if you watch the movie, does Ariel die and suffer at the end of the movie because of her forbidden relationship? No, she gets a happy marriage. As far as we know, I, know. I uh, think that this conversation is is good because we get to put these things out there, right? Give ideas going, you know, and we know that it is something like I love how I said we want to consume ourselves, and that's it's a funny way to say it, but oh, it's um, a true it's, statement. It's exactly and buy it. That's what I'm saying. These movies that we're talking about. Everything on this movie list is English speaking Latinos in America. The great, ne the gr next great American novel is something Latino, and that's what I feel honestly 100%. Sure. Because that's that. these, no. the stories need to be told, and Manifest I think that that's where it needs to go. Manifest Definitely. it. I like it. Well, uh, one of us uh, has to start writing books. Not you know me, what? it's too late for me. <laughs> I said one of us should start writing books. Hey man, you know what? I'm writing stuff. You're writing stuff. I yep. likes to consume things, and you know she can <laughs> she can decide if if uh, she'll be a gatekeeper to her white coworkers about it. I uh, sure will. <laughs> <laughs> somebody needs to. Somebody needs to. But they, not me. <laughs> I did, thank you for being on the show tonight. It was tons of fun. I hope you come back soon. We had a blast. Uh, no, no, definitely. Always, you're always welcome, Kevin. You know, man, you're all you're a killer. Thank you for just uh, doing this with me and helping I like out. And having that extra voices, I always, always want to have a variety of voices on the show. I love it, love it. No, it's fun. Nice Lots of times, you, Kevin. Good meeting you too. Come back. No, for sure, guys. Oh, primos, wow. remember, you guys can follow us along at My Primos Podcast and check out the link tree. It has tons of stuff where you can connect with us. Give us a hey. There's a link in there where you guys can leave a voicemail. No one's done it yet. Maybe you know this is the day. This is the day, guys. Come <laughs> oh, on, man, it. Man, make man. it happen. Oh. We've gotten hundreds, hundreds of voicemails. It's just no, because I'm gonna share them. Publish any of them because they're just they're all oh, about how beautiful I am, and oh, I, it's exactly. just, it wouldn't be appropriate. It wouldn't be appropriate. Oh, sure. that's what it is. So you're Ooh, deleting all of these. Then. Maybe I can get a well, date. <laughs> I have, I have to delete them so that you guys don't feel bad because I'm just, I'm that amazing. You know? It's true, man. It's true. So I want to write a movie about you, and that's what's going to be the great next American movie. But thank you, primos, for for listening, and take care, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.